0: Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. My friends at BSWUSA.com have come through for me yet again, gang. Hey, it's Jason, and today I'm introducing the newest member of the Can-Man radio show family, this awesome Shure SM7B microphone. This is an industry leader that has been around for decades, used in all facets of sound, from broadcasting to music production to voiceover work, and now by some of the best podcasting platforms out there. And if you're looking to get into this for the first time and you don't know what to buy, go check out my friends at BSWUSA.com. My buddy Jamie and his sales associates will be glad as sound experts to get you in to some of the best equipment at a price you can afford to give you some of the best sound out there. So don't be afraid to check it out. It's time. Go check out my friends, Jamie, and his sound experts at bswusa.com. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses, and we're going to talk about them here for a second, starting with my friends Peter and Nikki from AxeCaps.com. If you're in the market for some quality apparel, what about direct-to-garment printing? Are you looking to bring your own brand out to the world? Well, go check out AxeCaps.com today. Peter and Nikki will be sure to take care of you. Also, Ian Sargent from South Florida at SGT Firebags. That's Sergeant Firebags, SGTFirebags.com. If you're in the market for a wash. Radio strap or a clean gear bag to protect you from the carcinogens out there, reduce that risk of cancer exposure. Guess what? SGT Firebags has you covered. Use Canban for 10% off. And my brother Herb Tyler from NRC for National Rescue Consultants. If you're looking to get USAR educated from some of the best out there, go check out my brother Herb Tyler at nrc.com. That's National Rescue Consultants.
1: Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can-Man Radio Show. And now your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska.
0: And yet here we are again in Florida, as always. I know it sounds boring to say so, but yet again, I'm staring at the lake and it's beautiful and it's cloudy and we've had like 20 million storms pass us. And some of you listening have already experienced some of that weather. But you know what? Today, we're not going to talk about weather. We're not going to talk about the lake. We're going to talk about our subject, which is smoke diving. And we have a couple of really awesome instructors with us tonight. And I'll tell you. Not that I am well-versed in what a smoke diver is or what they have to go through. I do have friends. I do have acquaintances who have been through the program. They have all brought back a lot of perspective. They have all brought back a lot of information and training that helps keep us alive in the job that we do. So we're going to talk to a couple of my friends this evening. And they're Oklahoma smoke divers, actually, starting out as Georgia smoke divers from Well, that great state of Oklahoma, go figure, right? And they're two veteran firefighters with the city of Tulsa, both district chiefs, one of them newly promoted. So this evening, I want to introduce my friends, Brian Lloyd and Chad Miller. So welcome to the show, guys. It's good to have you.
2: Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing you guys have carried a program from several other states and incorporated it into Oklahoma. And what you have done is something spectacular with Oklahoma 1, now transitioning to Oklahoma 2. And I'm going to be honest, I think it's tremendous to see this accomplishment occur. So let's get to that in a minute. We're going to talk about you guys, starting with, well, Chad, I know about you, but Brian, you're the anomaly here. So you're kind of the, the front runner and the new guy. And I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to meet you and and actually get to sit and talk with you before we started this episode. But you've got 21 years. You've been around the fire service, and this is not something you considered doing. Uh, You got in the military right out of high school. You deployed several times. uh, You were going to deploy for a third time and, you know, re up, I guess, and say, Hey, I'm going to make this a career. And then somewhere deep down inside, you said, no, I think public service is the way I want to go. And and here we are. So now you're sitting in the district chief role and you're in training, which makes sense. So where did I leave off? Pick up from there and tell me a little bit more about yourself.
1: Um, that's, that's, you covered a lot of it just for the veterans out there. Um, I deployed once I was on my third, I was getting ready to re up for my, for my third time. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, what I didn't say when we talked before is, is, uh, you know, I had an experience in my life where, um, and I'm not going to go into it, but I got to see 911 up close and personal, unfortunately with someone that I cared about deeply. And, you know, I was, I was sitting there when, when the first responder showed up and, and you know, I saw what they did, and it really impacted me. And so, kind of when I was talking to you earlier, you know, I was home on leave, and it's a funny story. My uncle, who was a cop, but he used to always say, "I wish i had been a fireman." He said, "Hey, man, I think you'd fit in, you know, with the firemen I know." And there's a there's a test coming up. Why don't you go take it? And then building off that experience I just had, you know, about a year before, where I'd seen the the firemen in action, the first responders in action. I thought, you know, this is something I could see myself doing. I really love the military, but I would really like to be, I'd really like to be that person that when someone is having their worst day, I, that I can make a difference, man. And and so I just kind of rolled the dice and I said, if I do well on the test, I'm going to get out of the military. And if I don't, I'm going to stay in. I did well, got on here. I am, you know, 21 years later, like you said. And, uh, you know, I'm an anomaly. You, you never heard it of me because I'm, I'm nobody special. Like I look at, the guys you've had on your podcast, we've been on a few others, and I see the people on before me. And for God's sake, Harold Scheiber was on before the, the, the episode before Chad and I. like, <laughs> we're a couple of rednecks from Tulsa, Oklahoma, man. But uh, you know, it's funny that we've been on 20, 21, you know, for 21 years almost. And most firemen, I think that I've met, are very humble. And and even with almost 20 years on, we as we started building this program, I know I don't know if Chad did, I know that several times I started thinking who am I to, who am I to think that we can do this you know Who am I to, to think that we're, we're good enough or, or, or trained enough or qualified enough and, and uh, but at the end of the day I, you know who, who we are is, is a couple dudes that um, we want to get back to the fire service so we want to take that 20 years of training and, and we want to uh, make a positive impact on the Oklahoma fire service and, and the fire service across the United States. So it's kind of like, you know, if, if we don't do it, who is going to do it? And, um, you know, we joke with people, but it's really not a joke. Have we known how much work it was going to take to get here? I can't honestly say that we would have, we would have done it. But like all firemen, once you tell someone, once you tell a fireman, you can't do something, Then it's kind of like, hold my beer, bro. Watch this. (laughs) I wish we kind of got, we we got past that point of no return where we're like, we're not looking back. We are going to complete this thing. Yeah. And with the help of a ton of people that I couldn't even begin to thank, we don't have time to thank, but a ton of the Georgian smoke divers, the Mississippi guys, you know, here, here we are today and and talking to you and it's been an awesome ride,
0: man. Well, you, you talk about your experience, and we're going to hit on a couple of the highlights of what you just shared. And, and most of my friends who were in the military, they all end up becoming civic-minded in one form or fashion. And when I say that, They go the route of law enforcement or they go the route of fire rescue. And I think a lot of it has to do with the structure of the fire service being a paramilitary organization. It's something like-minded to what they've experienced in the military so they can adapt to it well. It's task-oriented, team-oriented, well, military-military, camaraderie-military, brotherhood-military. So there's a lot of comparisons there. And I think that's why a lot of our our brethren who serve uh, this great nation of ours, they end up working either as law enforcement officers or they work as firefighters because that's what they're tuned into. So inadvertently, they didn't realize that until they got into the fire service. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, well, I rolled the dice, but this is what I was meant to do. And I think that's an amazing thought, you know. And, and part of a greater journey, you know, we bring people into this field that have no background, no pedigree, no clue, no level of service before they walk in. Some work out, some don't. But my military brother and our military brethren seem to thrive in this profession because of what we are. And you talked about being a couple of Okies, you know. Well, let me tell you something. You're not just a couple of Oklahoma boys, all right? I'm a fat guy with a great mustache, and I say that all the time. I'm a nobody myself. But here's the thing. You have a passion for what you do, okay? And you talked about the journey and how it was difficult getting to this point. You talked about the fact that if you knew now or knew then what you know now, you might not have committed to it. But here's the thing. You committed to Georgia smoke divers and you passed it. So that just said right there that you had the ability to do anything you wanted to do because you could surpass your greatest, weakest points. And guess what? You and Chad put smoke divers with a group of dedicated instructors together for Oklahoma and look what it's done. Look what it's done.
1: Yeah
2: absolutely man man you say it
1: way better than me <laughs> <man>. you're hired
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen it, it, it's a simple observation which you know when you guys were running in synced with indiana i'm almost certain i was still in phoenix or it was right after i got back from phoenix they, they ran in sync basically and That's i watched insane. yeah i watched indiana And they showed about three days worth of video and about day four or five, they kind of shut things down. And it was after Phoenix, because I think some of the instructors I was with in Phoenix actually were smoke diver instructors. Now that I think about it Um, and watching those videos and seeing what I've been able to see at the fire college here in Florida uh, during the smoke diver program that we put together. What a journey those gentlemen and, and even the ladies who make it out there have to endure to accomplish such a task.
2: Yeah it's funny that you say that you know we we our our programs ran the identical the identical time frame and so every morning we actually had an Indiana uh smoke diver with us uh for our class and so every morning we gave a little briefing to Matt Stewart and Nolan and their group that said hey this is what we finished the day with and they were so every morning we were compared numbers so we have a, a little instructor debriefing first thing in the morning so we were getting updates from them they were getting updates from us and it was it was really cool to be in step like that with them uh for for our first class
0: i think they had 86 instructors chat is that correct 86 88 instructors in indiana when they put that program on this year and that no, was
2: i i can tell you man was it um, less than
0: that because i thought they had a larger a large cadre we, for some we, reason yeah.
2: We had we had about eighty six uh, when you when you looked at all the ancillary stuff on the ground.
0: I got you.
2: I, you know, Indiana man, they did it with what they had in Indiana. They literally, I I, don't, I won't swear to their numbers, but they probably pulled their class off with. You know, somewhere around twenty to thirty instructors, I think, is the number that just sticks in my head. So
0: I may have inverted you know. the numbers then, because I might yeah. have been looking at the still shots from Oklahoma and the video from Indiana, because I think you guys did do uh, did do some still shots of the class, but yeah. that was pretty much like morning briefings and then throughout the program, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, it was awesome, man. We uh, we and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, when we started putting this thing together. You know, we paid. Um the the, like you we've talked before, none of the instructors get paid for the Uh program. Um and we had we had a you know almost eighty Georgia, not just Georgia, you know, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, Texas, Kansas. We had we had eighty plus Georgia instructors come in. Uh And I'm and man, at one point I'm like, Bro, uh I'm gonna have to get a bigger hotel because I don't think we got enough rooms to fit all these good products.
0: It's a great problem to have.
1: Yeah. It was phenomenal. Just yeah, and, 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 to see it in typical Oklahoma fashion, when we picked him up from the airport, we had a cattle trailer for all their luggage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that right there screams Oklahoma. If oh, that yeah, if that nothing is. else does, the fact that you picked up their luggage in a cattle trailer sure. that's perfect.
1: Hey, 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 they had a nice bus with them, but luggage was a cattle trailer. God, uh-huh. I hope you
0: guys at least cleaned it out before you threw their luggage oh, yeah, in there. I Dear God. <laughs> So, Chad, you know, after talking to Brian for that that first moment of the show and and getting his uh, bio out there, I want to talk about you for a second. You're also in your 21st year. You and uh, Brian went through your training academy together. Um, You guys have come up in the service together, and recently you just got promoted to district chief. And I remember our first conversation, we were laying the groundwork, you know, to get this interview to happen back in May. It was uh, the day before Mother's Day that we spoke, actually. And I remember you saying, man, I got this uh, studying I got to do. I've got a big promotional exam coming up at the end of the week. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to dilly dally. And, and here you are now in September and you're a district chief. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like you said, Brian and I came came on the fire department in Tulsa together and, you know, we, we've been early on, we were in some of the same places on different shifts and, and then we kind of drifted apart and went our own ways and, and, you know, fast forward about 15 years, we've stayed in touch, but, um, we came back together at the training center in 2016 and, you know, we've really been walking through this journey, you know, kind of hand in hand ever since. So, Uh um, and yeah, man, it's, it's great to get the promotional process out of the way and, and to be a to be a chief now in, in Tulsa is a, is a big honor for me. Um, so we're just, we just keep moving on, man. Just keep, you know, putting one foot in front of the other.
0: That's all you can do. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, Brian, when yes, you sir? realized you were going to Mississippi to do that smoke diver program, as we talked about before the episode, what were your expectations before you walked in the door? Cause you went to Mississippi and Georgia. <clears throat>
1: Right. Uh, I literally, I had none. I was too new to have any idea. You know, I didn't know if a smoke diver jumped out of planes, like came in through the underwater uh, access. I, I literally had no idea. Just mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm kind of being funny, but what it was is one of the chiefs on the job, he was our chief over all the special operations. He's a guy that I respected and kind of like I shared with you earlier. I was just working out at the headquarters weight room and he came in and said, Hey, do you wanna to go to the um, most challenging training I've ever I've ever undertaken in the fire service? And I said, Yeah, let's do it. And um, I said I, I just I knew that if he if he was telling me to do it, that I knew it was gonna be good. And I really didn't know and this is back before, you know, Facebook and all the social media and I don't know, I'm sure internet was probably around early two thousand I can't even remember that far back, but I didn't have any way to I didn't have any way to like Investigated. I didn't know anyone that had been, uh, I just really relied on my military training. And, and, um, at the time I was, I, I'm, I'm a lifelong martial artist. I was training, I was doing MMA. And so I was in really good shape from that. And I just started at the time I was in the downtown so Chad and I were both in the downtown district mm-hmm. and I just started running all the high rises in my gear, carrying heavy equipment. And I was trying to get in the best shape I could. But honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I mm-hmm. had no idea. And, and I showed up, and it was run a lot like a military in, in training. Mm-hmm. And it was just how, how uh, Mississippi does it is it's, it's eight evolutions a day, and you have three, three chances at each evolution to pass. If you fail three tries, uh, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it was just you literally you – you come in, you spend about 30 minutes in the classroom and the rest, just like our, the rest like our program is all outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, like I said, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that I trusted that chief officer that if he told me to go, it's going to better my career. I trusted him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I can tell you that I had about two and a half years on the job when I went and I knew that when I came back, it gave me, I, had a, I was blessed to have an awesome company officer right out the academy uh, captain tony Rains. and he really like molded and and like he was just a great he was just a great man i still talk to i still we still communicate and um so i i was getting a lot of good training from him Um, but after i came back from that training i just had this i had the confidence that you know i don't know a lot yet but with all the Training I just got this last week where they basically put you in every horrible situation mm-hmm. a firefighter can encounter on the fire ground yep. and train you to stay calm. It made me, it just made me more, feel more confident in my abilities as a young firefighter. And, and uh, that coupled with a great company officer and a great crew, it really helped boost my confidence as a, as a young firefighter and um, kind of set me on, on a good path for success, man.
0: You think it made you a better company officer? when you stepped up into that role
1: i've no doubt and, and you know the it, it it helped it just helped me make me a better firefighter and, and, and not in that um hey i'm better than anyone because i did this by any means but it, it just i can remember only two or three times in my career but being in really bad fires or you know uh you know i was involved in a i was involved in a uh mayday call mm-hmm. Where I was on the RIT team that went in on a down firefighter about uh, about eight or nine years ago, so two or three times in my career, I have reached back into that into that playbook of things I learned at smoke diver, and it helped me to stay calm. Now it doesn't mean that I, yes, I still trained on those skills mm-hmm. in the Tulsa Fire Department, um, but I got the I got that base that you know that, that base laid at the smoke diver program. And, it's helped me over my career to, you know, stay calm. It's helped me to, uh, you know, one of the other big things about all the programs it's, is the servant leadership and, mm. and stress and stressing on just because you did this, you're no one special. You're, you're not, you're not any better than anyone else. The expectation is that you're going to take this training back to your crew and you're going to teach them this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was really hammered into our heads, especially in Georgia, man. They're like, they pretty much tell you that, um, you're you are. It's not like you're not going. They're not going to require it, but it's expected that you're not just coming in to get the black shirt and get the coin and all that. It's expected that you're going to come through this and you're going to go back to your department and you're going to make the guys and girls there better by giving them that training. Well, you, um, so, so that that's what it helped me as a company officer, especially the yeah. chief officer. And, and I'm not going to lie, man. Like from the time I was a you know five years on to like 15 years. I still did training. I still tried to do a great job. Mm-hmm. There was a point where I kind of got comfortable. And, and once I was involved in that Mayday in 2011, it made me realize that, man, one minute I can be at the station watching Naked and Afraid. And the next minute I can yeah. be going in and dragging out one of my best friends on the fire department and that, I cannot, that we cannot get comfortable that as long as that we, as long as that we're going to be on the truck or in the station, it is incumbent on us to be, you know, mission critical that you have to be able to contribute to the team. And that really like reignited my passion to, Hey, whether I'm a chief officer, captain firefighter, I have to be learning. I have to be bettering myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just happened that we met the guys from Georgia and just, just, this helped me to, to understand that, man, you can never stop learning in this
0: job, man. You talked you know? about servant leadership and Chad, we're going to get to you in a second. Cause we're going to get to Georgia one, Georgia one. I have two friends with Georgia one stories and you're, you're number two. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. servant leadership to me, you give of yourself before all else. Okay. You give to your crew, you put them ahead of your needs. You give of yourself to your community. You, you basically dedicate your career, right? This is what you do. You're a civil servant, um, tasked with doing an extraordinary job. Okay, law enforcement, the fire service, it doesn't matter if you're a volunteer firefighter, paid firefighter. But one of the things I, I've talked to these young ones about when it comes to becoming an officer, when you look at where am I in the spectrum of being ready, what have I done to prepare for this, and when I finally get that bugle or two bugles, mm-hmm. if you're a lieutenant or captain, and you finally get the nod to move up into that rank because you earned it right, are you mature enough and are you capable of staying humble? Are you capable of admitting mistakes when you are at fault? Are you capable of empowering your crew? Are you capable of ensuring that their needs are met? And then of course there's the uh, outside of the box stuff that you have to consider as well. So with that, I think that the bugle is just a representation of the rank itself, but it's the character of the person who wears that bugle that matters the most when it comes to being a company officer.
1: Yeah, Uh, absolutely, man. And, you know, one of the things that I've witnessed as the training chief um, and, and just as I've, as Chad and I and other guys have taught around is that, you know, no one ever wants – it's like once guys think that they're an officer or a or captain, chief, whatever, they don't want to admit and – and I'm the same way, and Chad's the same way. It's, it's just human nature. They don't want to admit that they don't know something. Mm. And, but that, but that, that hinders your progress. That hinders your growth. And it's like one of the things that we do at the training center – and we actually got the off of the uh, old school, Frank the Tank. Uh, that part where they're in the, My boy, that Blue, part where they're, we're streaking yeah, through the quad. Uh, that part where they're in the counseling, he goes, oh, are we not in the trust tree? You know, <laughs> but all joking aside, when we do training, we tell the guys, like, look, we're in the trust tree here. And if you don't know something and you feel stupid for not asking, that's okay. We're not going to leave here and go say, oh, hey, hey, John didn't know this basic thing here. It's not about that. It's about how if, when we come to training. The goal is to get better and yeah. to leave better than you were. And unfortunately it's just men, man. Like we, we bust on each other. Uh, and, and and that's part of it, but we got to get past. We, we got to be able to admit if we don't know something. Yes. And, and that was hammered in my head in, in Georgia smoke diver. Like I'm going through the, the training and there are a few things that I had. I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was a chief at the time. I hadn't, Forced the door and I don't know, or there are certain basic things I hadn't done in a while, Mm -hmm. and it showed. And that when I got back, though, it made me think that that's never going to happen again. Like I've got to stay up to date on these tasks, even if I'm not doing them. I'm still, I'm still a firefighter first and foremost. But but the biggest thing is 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 for the guys out there listening, especially the new officers, is you don't have to know everything. It's okay to not to know everything, and and. Hopefully you're in an environment where you can admit that, and the and the guys and girls around you are gonna are gonna help you build and grow, and uh, you know that's it, man. But it, that's that's one thing. The smoke diver program it is it is very intense, and the the training and the is, is pretty challenging. But the guys there don't expect you to know everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some good natured joking, but at the end of it, they want to make sure that when and we want to make sure that when people walk away from it that we have helped them um, correct any deficiencies so they can take that back to their departments, their communities, and then, and then pass that along.
0: Well, the goal should always be mission success to hundred percent when it comes to any kind of training. And if it takes, you know, 10 evolutions, 20 evolutions, once you get to that fine tuning, that's where you're going to separate yourself from the, the, the observer to the doer in a sense. Right. So Chad, let's go back to you. Cause Georgia oh. one, Georgia 1.0, how about that? That was when?
2: Yeah. Man, uh, we went in in, no- in November of 2016. Uh, eight of us went there. And
0: I think we talked about uh, one of my guys from Lake County who might have been in that program with you at that time, wasn't it? Or was it a different program? In Ge- well, he went through Georgia Smoke Divers, but I can't remember if he was in your program or if he was in the program thereafter, just before you.
2: Um, I don't remember. Uh, to be quite honest, that's with, OK.
0: Yeah. Um, there there have been several Florida guys that I know have gone to Georgia, um, yeah. which I find fascinating, too, that, you know, we can do it here in Florida. But we have all the other programs out there from Georgia to Indiana, now Oklahoma. And if the Mississippi program is still up and running, which I'm not 100 percent sure if it is or isn't, it is, yeah. um, you know, that's an amazing mm-hmm. opportunity as well. But Georgia 1.0, getting back to that, you, you were screamed at from the other side of the building. Hey, what's up? We're going to smoke divers. Okay, let's go.
2: Yeah, yeah Brian, uh, you know, we we're at the training center together and, and we, our offices were at other ends of the hall. And, you know, I tell this story, he, he conveniently leaves it out, but he, he's just <laughs> like, hey, Chad, he's like, we're going to go to smoke divers. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, Okay. And man, that was it. That's how it started. Brian had, had been to FDIC. Yeah. And met with David Rhodes, uh, the, the chief elder of the Jordan program. Mm-hmm. And, and David had said, Hey, you know, that's great. You want to build a program, but you got to come and see us if you want our stuff. Okay. And, 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 you know, Brian and I have both, you know, CrossFit very, you know, have taken training pretty seriously throughout our careers and, And so we, man, we started recruiting guys, like I, like we said, and Uh not just people that were like-minded that we felt would um, buy into that program. But at the same time that, and we told everybody this when we started is we don't need you to go down there and complete the program and come back. We need you to go down there complete the program and then help us build ours. Uh Those were the, those were the people that we were looking for. And man, we went and, you know, eight of us went in November of 16 and, and Brian's the only one that completed the program. We failed seven guys. Um, so we come back and I can tell you, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that whether it's Georgia or Oklahoma, um, you know, our success rate we've talked is around 50%. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not a fun experience, man, to come home and have not completed something Mm -hmm. and, it took me an entire year to get back there, and I thought about it every day. But, man, we, we've tweaked our training a little bit to, to be more prepared physically uh, for the task at hand, and we went back with 10. And myself, uh, Jason Smart is, is the, the third guy for me and Brian that, is, you know, we created the program, established the 501C3, and he and I both went and didn't make it, and we both went back and completed it In November of 2017.
0: And now in that time frame, I remember you telling me that you you went to chief Rhodes on multiple occasions and said, okay, I think we're ready. And at times he would say, (laughs) no, you're not ready. It's not happening yet. You're not quite there yet. You know, we, we've got to, we've got to evolve this just a little bit further. So walk me through some of that. What were some of the frustrations you guys had with trying to bring this great program to Oklahoma and make it happen for number one this past year?
2: Man, um, you know, David Rhodes and Brent Hollander, Um, the two chief elders of the Georgia program, they, they've been absolutely spectacular and a ton of other guys too. But, you know, they, when we started, they said, Hey, look, you need, you need 20 instructors, um, in Oklahoma. And, and so Edmund had 11 and then we started building ours and then we got to 20 and, and there's like, well, you need a few more. We need to get to 30 or 40, 40. I said, we need to 40. You, You said 40 is the number. And so man we kept taking guys back every class we were yeah. taking 10 8 6 our our success rate was doing pretty good we were graduating about 60 to 70% of the guys we took mm-hmm. and at one point i remember you know Brian and i were like man we're doing this right now and <laughs> those two guys were like no you're not pump the brakes that was yeah. a, it
1: was an indie we were in their suite having a drink And we're like, look, man, we got this many dudes. Let's go. And they're like, no, you got to wait another year. And then fast forward the first week, like day two, Hollander goes, aren't you glad we waited another year? And I'm like, there's no way we could have done it. (laughs) Good God almighty. So, yeah, they they really, they know what they're doing. So
0: so you guys brought back something real quick. And to get those higher numbers, okay, the 60%, the 70% pass rate, did you tweak your own training to get these guys better prepared to go to Georgia and pass? Did you guys do things in house or did you just let them go on their own?
2: Man, we um we have a we built a 16 to 17 week physical training program and and it's it looks like this you 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 start in t-shirt and and shorts and tennis shoes and you get to where you can do continuous workout for an hour. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest thing for us is now we put you in your gear and, and then we build you back up to work at being able to work out in that gear for an hour. And, you know, that's, we tweaked that to, we didn't give anything away Mm -hmm. to our guys. We, we, our goal was to prepare them physically for the challenge that they were going to have, make sure that their basic um, skills that they needed, they were proficient in we told them nothing about what the evolutions were gonna look like or what mm-hmm. they you know what they were doing and and we drummed on them for 16 weeks that the part we can't control is the six inches between your ears which is that beautiful uh, mind yep yep and so yeah we did we tweaked it over a couple of classes and I think we've used the same you know the same training program physically for the last two and a half years now we, mm-hmm. we got it where we liked it we haven't really messed with it very much since then and it's worked out pretty well and, and it's that is
1: uh actually it's on facebook mm-hmm. and so you know one of the one of the things about it about you know florida's program about georgia's program they've been around for a long time and in those states guys can hey if they want to go do one they can probably like you were mentioning go to the training academy and find three dudes that are banned and get some tips mm-hmm. well oklahoma was it's new enough that you know we're trying to build the program, and, and it, the program is tough enough that, you know, we don't, we, we want to get guys and girls as prepared as possible for when So when they show up, it doesn't do us any good to build the program if we pass three people. Mm-hmm. So what we started doing is we started putting out the, our 17 week program on Facebook. And, and at first I thought, oh, no one's going to want to see this. Well, I missed a week last, I'm like the worst Facebook page moderator in the history of Facebook. And, like, I'll have guys, they'll say, Hey, I thought you were going to post week three. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm horrible at this. So I I, I actually just updated it today and I go, Hey, here's a month's worth. There you go. Talk to nice. me in a month. Nice. But the reason we're doing all that is, is, is like, we, we're trying to still build our numbers. You know, Georgia's program has over 1,100. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Florida's is, but I know it's a lot. I know Mississippi's is up over, you know, 11, 1,200. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we're, you know, we're. Uh, Forty two. 42. So we're trying to get everyone as prepared as possible. The only thing that we're not giving away is, you know, what, what happens, you know, um, in some of the evolutions. And the cool thing about it is a lot of the evolutions when we we're going through Georgia, um, the, the, you know, Chief Rhodes would tell the guys, Hey, you can take this stuff back to your department. We want you to share what you learned here. Mm-hmm. Just don't give away the final test and the final few things. Sure. You know, so that way, even if, even if someone only comes through and makes it through three or four days, they're still going to come back with a lot of information. You know, when we came back, when we came back from being the successful completion of the program, we ended up in Tulsa, we do quarterly company drills where every three months we bring out the entire job. Mm -hmm. And, And, and we ran company drills for about two years just off what we learned at the smoke diver program. Every three months, we teach them two or three things. And, and a lot of the guys that that probably weren't, wouldn't be interested in going um, and doing the physical part, they still loved the training. So it was really win-win, man. And yeah. it's, like, it, it's like the cool thing about this program is not everybody wants to go do it. Not everyone can physically complete it, depending on where they're at in their life, age, injury-wise. But if only a few men or women from each department can visit, can pass it. They can still go back and like, it's like a, sh- and like I got to the roads. I'm like, man, I see this smoke diver program. is like a shotgun blast. Mm-hmm. Two or three dudes pass it. They come back, they come back, they rack the slide, pull the trigger. And they, and they send that blast out and they, and they send that training out through their department, through their community, through their state. And, and, and that's what's so awesome about the program is if you just even if you just get a handful of people to pass it, they can still share that training and make their department better. You know, you but talk.
0: Yeah. You talk about the fact yeah. that even if you don't make it to day six. Right. Here's the thing. Days one through three are still important. Days four and five are still important. And like my friend Chris, who was in class one, you know, yeah. he, he talked about in our podcast we did last week. Um, I made it to day one and I knew I wasn't ready. Okay. And and he said, but here's the thing. I knew because I wasn't ready. I knew what I needed to do to get ready for the next go around. Um, and again, there's no shame in that. And even in Florida, talking to Chief Campbell, Don Campbell, and Rick, you know, Chief Talbert, and my friends who have all successfully completed smoke divers and are part of the cadre, they're okay if you don't make it to day six. They're not going to punish you. They're not going to chastise you. They're going to encourage you because... They are all part of a group that have all taken an oath, for lack of better terms, to not uh, condemn those who can't pass because maybe there was something off that day. Maybe they just weren't 100% committed mentally, and that's a big part of it. You talk about the six inches of space between your ears, right? The physicality is one thing, but you've got to get the mind over matter aspect like with anything when it comes to intense training where you're broken down to the point of exhaustion and expected to do more, you know, and that that's a standalone kind of mindset there. Oh my gosh, am I capable of doing this? Well, just cause you weren't now doesn't mean you won't be the next time because you take that experience and you bring it back and what you've learned, you give it to or pay it forward to your peers.
1: And, and, you know, touching off what you just said is, you know, just because, um, a guy comes and is not successful or, or has no interest in coming, you know, we train all over the, we train all over the nation and, 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 we meet guys that have forgotten more than we'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, coming through this program doesn't mean you're the the elite top, you know, of the best firefighter around. I mean, it's just, is it going to make you better? And is it going to teach you a lot about yourself, what you're capable of? 100%. But that, that's the thing that we want to convey is that, man, we're just – we don't think we're better than anyone else. We're always like we're students of the game, man. That's mm-hmm. it. We're trying to learn. You know, we are like I said, and, and Chad's the same way. Uh, whether I stay ten more years or eight more years, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn something every day. I'm gonna keep driving forward and trying to improve myself uh, until I leave. And and that's all this program is. And it's like, okay, we we've, we've got through the smoke diver program, but now we're gonna move over here and and we're gonna get better. You know, it, it, what I'm saying is this isn't like the pinnacle of, you know, whatever.
0: No, because there's um, more to learn. There's more to grow with.
1: As you know, it's like, what's crazy about the fire service. It's like, you could spend 20 years in the discipline of, of, of the rescue, rescue Mm -hmm. training or, or hazmat or search and rescue. But what's crazy about this job is like, we have to know all of it. Yeah. And we have to be confident in all of it. So to think that you're ever going to, like my dad was a Marine and he's a Vietnam vet. he said, when guy, what, from what his experience is, the guys that got hurt or killed were the guys that started getting comfortable thinking, I know it all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can, you can never get comfortable, man. You, can, you always have to be challenging yourself. And, and um, that's all this, that's what this program is going to do. It's going to challenge men and women to get better. Um, but then the thing that we stress is this is just the beginning, man. This, this program is just the beginning and you have to get out there and, and, and share what you've learned and then and then we're trying to motivate people to, like, just keep moving forward, man. I mean, well, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I can talk about it all day. No, it's Matt good. It's him. good.
2: And, but, um, and Jason – or not Jason, I'm sorry. Chris is a great example, man. We met him in Wichita hot.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. Um, he came to our class. Met him at the hotel
1: after. after and, the and we sat
2: and talked to him and, and said you – know, and he was like, hey, man, how do I get more of this? And, mm-hmm. and like that, he came, uh, you know, we talked to him a lot you know, as he left the program and, and we still have, you know, I keep in touch with him a lot via email. And, hey, how's it going? And, and how's the training coming? And, and, yep. you know, we want him to come back. We want them all to come back. And, and I can get, I can tell you from, I told him the same thing, man, from being, I know what it's like to walk away from a smoke driver program and not be successful. Yeah. And, and I guarantee you, when we see him again next spring uh, in March for class two, he'll be, he'll be ready. And, I don't he'll doubt it. back. And he'll get it done and and he'll be a a great asset to our, to our cadre.
0: You know, he talks about the fact that he's 48 and going back. And I said, well, you know, you just set the bar, you set the bar high for guys like me who are in their early forties. And it's like, well, if you can do it at 48, then there's nothing impossible
1: to accomplish, you know? So so building off that, it reminds me of a funny uh, story is probably like the third group and I said this in another podcast we, we did. Yeah. Like the third group, the Georgia guys were like, hey, do you guys have any freaking young people in Tulsa? <laughs> I said, no, they're all they're old men. Like, <laughs> they're like, because all these dudes you're bringing are freaking ancient. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, they're all our buddies, man. So yeah. They're all like 40 to 45. I said, I said, okay, but we'll make a concerted effort next class to bring some young dudes. But we were honestly bringing guys that were like, 35, yep. 40 to 40, early 40s, because they were all guys that we came on with, you know? And uh, so that was funny. So I think uh, Georgia, I think Rhodes told me their oldest dude was, he was 53. Wow. I don't remember his name, but he was from California. Mm-hmm. And they said he was like a triathlete and that he graduated and then was like flying back to California. So you graduate on a Friday. Yeah. And I, I I had to lay like in my hotel room in a bath of Epsom salt for like 12 hours. I joking, but it was, it but this dude flies back to do a triathlon on Monday. So he was a freak. I mean, he wasn't normal. That's abnormal, dude. The oldest dude, I think they said, was fifty-three.
0: You sure it wasn't an android? Because no one can physically do that.
1: Yeah. Okay. T yeah. three. Oh lord! You, know, you
0: consider California's full of smog right now, and that's the smoke. Sorry. Especially you're gonna you're gonna come from California, get your your ass beaten, smoke divers in Georgia, and go back and run a triathlon. Nah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So, Okie two, Oklahoma smoke diver two is coming, and that's gonna be when.
1: So we've got on the books for February 29th. The same dates as we had yeah. before, so February <laughs> okay. 29th
2: through March the fifth. Um, you know, COVID uh, willing, uh, you know, there's still a lot going on with COVID nineteen. So yeah. it, it depends on where we are uh, with that. But but tentatively scheduled for that very first week in March.
0: Well, let's let's take a second and talk about lessons learned then, and and what you guys brought out or took out of. Oklahoma one and the 12 graduates and who's coming back. And now that you've been through this now as instructors and successfully completing Oklahoma one, what are we going to bring into Oklahoma two? What were some of the things you learned that'll help make Oklahoma two a different or stronger class for the next go around?
2: Man, the, the, the methodology, the, you know, the week is set up, you know, pretty much the same, you know, the, the difference for us, in, you know, like we talked before, we had 80 um, instructors that weren't from Oklahoma that mm-hmm. came here and helped us put it on. And so the challenge for class two is, is we won't get that many back. Okay. Um, you know, our, our numbers will probably drop down to around 60. So mm-hmm. the challenge of putting the same type of class and, and not, you know, deviating um, or, or dropping the intensity down, is good um you know this the first class we had a key the guy that was the key you know person in georgia Mm -hmm. was standing right next to that oklahoma guy that has to be the key guy in oklahoma and he was whispering and nudging and hey look at this or do this so our our challenge is to be able to replicate that without those key guys standing there with us um, and, and, you know, make sure the program lives up to the intensity, lives up to the purpose. Um, so we have some challenges logistically to make sure we' we are doing more with less uh-huh. quite honestly. And, but man, we learned a lot and we developed some great, um, leaders within our cadre that got really got a chance to shine in class one and, and come into their own. We've still got, we got 12 brand new guys to bring in and, and, uh-huh. There were, we've had a couple of training opportunities where we've had them come in and help us teach and shadow and they have really good potential there. So, um, and man, you know, the challenge is just getting the word out. You know, we, I, you know, we had, when we did our qualification, we had five different States and we put the very first smoke divers in Arkansas and Missouri out of class. Number one, the very nice. first smoke divers out of any of the programs. And so, those guys are back there. They're recruiting for us. They're bringing us new candidates and, um, you know, just, just, you know, get it all put back on the books and get it going again.
0: And, you know, most people don't realize that the cadre is unpaid and when they come in, you know, I, I don't know about airfare considering some of them are coming from out of state, but lodging and everything is kind of on them as well as the rest. Is it not?
1: So we, so we were, very fortunate in that um, we, we got some donors, uh, you know, we just new contacts we met, mm-hmm. and we had some people come out and watch some of our training as guys were preparing for the Georgia class, and, and we had some great donors. And so we were able to, and Georgia does this as well, uh, and Indiana, we were able to, through the donors, pay for the hotels of all the instructors that came back. Mm-hmm. But they still had to take off from work. Oh yeah, uh, pay for pay for shift changes. And, and you know, Georgia, is, they've got guys on, on, in in the command trailer that track. You know, it was funny because when we first started, the chiefs like, "Well, are these guys competent?" I'm like, "Chief, if someone farts out there on the training ground, it's getting documented on <laughs> on a, a form somewhere." Um, but all joking aside, they track everything, and, and yeah. they told us all the guys coming combined cost them about 50 grand to come do our program with, with having to trade or pay guys to work for them or use vacate or use a, yeah. you know, vacation or whatever. And, uh, so, so it's been great. And, and I, I kind of wanted to touch on your question of what we learned, what I learned on this last class as the chief elder is that when you're going through the program, you know, you're not, you're not worried about anything but passing. Uh-huh. And, and, when you're, and when you're putting it on, especially as, as the chief elder or Chad's is second, you know, right behind me is that there's the kind of, the kind of men and women that come do this training are for the most part, um, they're not going to stop period. And it's like, just like in the military and this training, how I describe it is, it's hard to get real training sometimes because you don't want to, especially, especially when we're training cadets, we don't ever want to hurt any of them. So sometimes it's not as intense as we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And in the smoke diver program, we want it. I kind of liken it to, we want to train up to the razor's edge without cutting anyone. Yeah. And it's very hard to know because these guys aren't going to quit. And it's very hard as the, as the person overseeing the program to tell someone, look, man, you're done. Yeah. Um, because, and you can see their face. They just like deflate, like they've been training for six months. They came from three States away but at the end of the day, um, they have a long. You know, we have to realize as 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 um, senior firefighters that these men and women have a long career ahead of them, and we have to. Our number one focus has to be looking out for their best interests. So, yeah, we want to we want to give them this good training, but also just as as leaders of the program, the last thing we want to do is hurt anyone or anything like that. So that for me, I'm walking around all week just like. How, in my head, I'm thinking, how, how far do you let these guys go? Yeah. You know, when do you, when do you tell them you're done? When do you say you've had enough? And we were very fortunate through a contact that Chad knows is that we had a doctor that is big into CrossFit mm-hmm. and some other extreme sports that the whole thing kind of intrigued her. And she's like, Oh, I'll come check out a day. Well, she came and watched it. She's like, man, this is pretty cool. So she kept coming back and said she wants to get even more involved in the next class, and so we were pretty fortunate to have you know a medical uh, you know a medical professional. And one of the other things that I want to really I want to brag on the Georgia program about is they have a whole I mean it's it's a Type Three IMT team yeah you know and they have got a they've got a I guess what they call it, a safety EMS unit Mm and it's it's um, it's uh, staffed by all paramedics and in all they do is they walk around during the training and they just look for, for any guys or girls that are, they're having issues. Okay. And, and that actually helped a few of our guys, like, you know, um, cause it's like I said, you want to train the guys right up to the, right up to the edge, but you don't want to hurt anyone. And yeah. so like we learned a lot of great lessons from them. We, we incorporated the same thing. We've got a squad of paramedics. They just walk through looking for everyone, but now we were able to get a doctor mm-hmm. on board. So that was the biggest challenge is really protecting firefighters from themselves because most of us, you know, the first we don't want to quit. That's you know, there's there's something uh, there's something I've found that is, I guess, all firemen share it, and that's that we don't want to let people down. No, you know, what draws us as professionals, we want to help people, and we don't want to let anyone down. And so we see these these men coming through this training it's like, they don't want to let anyone down. So it's like, we got to protect them from themselves. And that's been a huge challenge in the training. Um, so I kind of just wanted to touch on that That's a good question. And that's been very challenging is like protecting guys from themselves, really,
0: you know? Well, I think that what people should take away from this then is while this is extreme training, while we're pushing firefighters to the breaking point and then rebuilding them in a sense, The redundancies built in, the safeties built in are designed to keep, like you said, hitting that and going beyond the razor's edge, that is, and I think that's why you're going to see a better, I guess, in the sense, graduation rate because you have people who are experts or paramedics obviously have training. They can identify the signs of heat stress and fatigue and issues like that because there's no denying what smoke divers do in training is is probably more intense than any standards burn they ever went through or any in-house training they probably ever done because of the coordination uh, and the effort put into it and logistics. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, – probably not much that compares to it to be honest with you. And and so what you guys are doing is building a program for success and creating a pathway to success. And the most important takeaway here, and I've heard it from both of you, is the importance of staying humble when graduating this program. Doesn't matter if you graduate it from Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma. You've got to stay humble because you're not on the top of the mountain just because you became a smoke diver. You're a a well-trained and well-oiled machine that learned what your limitations are and received some of the best training out there from experts who have been doing this for decades. And guess what? You take that training, you give it back, you pay it forward, and you prepare the next generation to come in and do the same.
2: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you boil that, our program down, I think that's, that's, you know, about as basic as you can get is come through, do it, pay it forward. Like Brian said in the beginning, you know, we, we have tried to build something to make not only the Tulsa fire department, the Oklahoma fire service, but the fire service in general, better than, than when we found it. So.
0: Amen. Amen. And on that gentlemen, we're going to close this out because i said 45 minutes we went to roughly 50 but that's okay because sometimes these conversations Uh tend to drag on and it's a good thing because this was insightful and this was definitely a conversation i look forward to having so whoever wants to let's get the smoke divers website out there the facebook page out there and let's get some promotion going for february because the the preemptive strike here is going to be coming here soon for everybody to get in and get registered right
2: yeah, so our, our website is www.OklahomaSmokeDiver.com. Um, right now, if you're interested in, in being a candidate for Class 2 and the, the contact page, uh, mine and Brian's email are both in there, and you can email either one of us. Um, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, which is exactly the same, um, OklahomaSmokeDiver.com, um, and message us there. We both, the message will hit both of us. We'll reply back, get some information from you. And then when we get close to qualification day we'll email all that out and say hey you know here's here's qualification day and here's what it takes to,
1: to come and try to qualify to be a candidate in class two right on and for, all, and for all you young guys out there listening to this um i had a ton of conversations with with chiefs of departments they didn't they weren't familiar with the program uh, so what i'm saying is any guys listening to this that are interested and you pictured your department they had questions. Reach out to us. We're very responsive through Facebook, Messenger. Give us your number. We'll, we'll get a hold of you, and uh, and we'll help you guys out.
0: Rock on, brothers. Thank you for coming on today and sharing a part of history for Oklahoma. One, okay, because you guys are now on the map as a smoke diver state, um, joining a cadre of instructors with decades of experience who are dedicated to giving back to the fire service. And for being who you are in the fire service, even with 21 plus years on in your mid to late 40s and saying, you know what, I'm still okay to do this because I know I want to give something back and still learn at the same time. So that being said, guys, thank you. Congratulations on Smoke Diver 1 and the accomplishment this year. And I look forward to seeing my brother Chris and all the other candidates going in with Smoke Diver 2 this February and being successful and coming back as cadre with you guys.
2: Absolutely, man. Thanks yeah. for the opportunity to come on thank, and, thank, uh, yeah. and let us share our program and, and all of that. So thanks for the opportunity. Anytime.
1: For I'm going to have to step on my, my mustache game after seeing yours. Oh. <laughs>
0: now I'm humbled, okay? I'm going to make my own challenge point for the mustache. Yeah, That's what I'm going to do. Go. <laughs> go. It's going to happen. Yeah, you man. watch. So that being Must- said, brothers, sisters, remember you are your brothers, your sister's keeper. You guys need to stay hungry and humble. If you're looking to grow, you're looking to advance. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Mentors are out there, people like the gentleman I'm talking to right now, Brian and Chad, myself, and many other great officers that want to help you be better and get you to that next level. So with that, we're going to close this episode out. We're going to thank you for joining us. We'll see you on the next one.
1: You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can-Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows. He knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams
0: thanks for listening to the show guys and if you want to look for more content out there from some great firefighters on some awesome podcasts go check out some of my friends starting with my good friend steve green from the five alarm task force and my good buddy rob polick from flow invent the down to fight fire podcast out of british columbia canada a eh? Sa matters with dr richard gassaway my good friend ryan pennington from west virginia with jump seat radio and that jump seat radio nation Pin the Q, Code 3, Do Work, The Thin Red Line with my brother, Captain John Haywick out of Passaic as well, The Fire Rescue Show, The Average Jake Firefighter, and of course, John Spira and the Fit to Fight Fire podcast. Go check these brothers out as they put great content out there and they're going to appreciate your support. See you on the next one.